the Bible Study Podcast, episode 249. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of 2 Samuel, chapter 5. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. This is an interesting part of the book of 2 Samuel because David has kind of the heart of his reign. For six chapters, things will go well for David. Chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. And then he'll get in trouble in chapter 11. And it's really surprising considering how long the story is of David and in what esteem God holds David, and we'll see that next week, how little of his reign or how little of the recorded part of it here in this book, and also including 1 Samuel, is this good times period, or is this time when things are going well. 2 Samuel 5, David becomes king over Israel. All the tribes of Israel came to David on Hebron and said, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel on our military campaigns. And the Lord said to you, You will shepherd my people Israel, and you will become their ruler. When all the elders of Israel had come to King David on Hebron, the king made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was thirty years old when he became king, and he reigned forty years. In Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem he reigned over all Israel and Judah thirty-three years. So remember that at the time that David was anointed by Samuel, he was still a young, ruddy lad. Probably took something on the order of 15 years until David became king after the promise was made. I don't recall just exactly how old he was at the time, and I don't recall that it said it, but it took quite a while for this promise of God to come true. And he kept promising it, and it kept being clear that this is what God intended, and yet remember that there was quite a long time here between promise and fulfillment. And sometimes that happens with God's plans. His timing and our timing are not the same. Verse 6, David conquers Jerusalem. The king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites who lived there. The Jebusites said to David, you will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off. They thought David cannot get in here. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is the city of David. And on that day, David said, anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft to reach those blind and lame who are David's enemies. That is why they say the blind and lame will not enter the palace. David took up residence in the fortress and called it the city of David. He built up the area around it from the terraces inward, and he became more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. Now Haran, king of Tyre, sent envoys to David, along with cedar logs and carpenters and stonemasons, and they built a palace for David. Then David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. After he left Hebron, David took more concubines and wives in Jerusalem, and more sons and daughters were born to him. These are the names of the children born to him there. Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Ilshua, Nephag, Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphelet. Now, it's interesting to note a couple things from this particular part. First of all, the city of David is what we still call Jerusalem, or some people at least still call Jerusalem, and it wasn't originally the city of David. It was captured by him. It wasn't part of the land of Israel originally. And 
But because it is David's victory, it it becomes where he sets up his capital, where he sets up his palace. And we'll see later on where he plans for the temple to be built. And we get 11 more children born to David. We get lots more wives and concubines. Again, that's going to cause some problem later on. One of these names of these 11 you probably recognize, and that is the name of Solomon. And Solomon will be, of all the children of David, the most influential. And at this point, David is starting to be recognized by his neighbors. So Tyre is the Phoenicians, and they're on the coastline just in north, just north into what is now Lebanon. And so they bring down these cedars of Lebanon, which were renowned at the time, to build the palace. And so this is a gift from Hiram, the king of Tyre, to build this palace for David. Continuing on, David defeats the Philistines. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, Go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Baal Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal Perazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. Once more, the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord. He answered, do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you heard the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, Move quickly, because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. Now, David has an unfair advantage here because God is fighting for him. Now, a lot of people really want to think that their nation or their people is fighting on the side of God, but David really was. David could ask God, what should I do? And God wasn't just involved. God was actually giving him tactics because David was winning victories for the Lord. David was winning victories not for himself, but for God and God's people. And the Philistines, therefore, are defeated, and they really didn't stand a chance. As long as David is doing here what he's doing in these six chapters, he is listening to God, and he is obeying God. And Baal Perzi means when the Lord breaks out. And how good it is to be on God's side, and how bad it is to be on the other side when the Lord breaks out. And then continuing on, Second Samuel 6. The ark is brought to Jerusalem. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Baalah in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. But when they came to the threshing floor at Nakon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the ox stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because God's wrath had broken out against Uzzah, and to this day that place is called Perez Uzzah. 
David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the Ark of God. So David went to bring up the Ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the Ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. Wearing a linen ephah, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the Ark of the Lord with shouts and sounds of trumpets. As the Ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cup of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of David has distinguished himself today, going around half-naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. It's an interesting passage here. We get the ark of God, this this holy object that is a symbol of God's presence with Israel. And it is a blessing and a curse in the sense that we get within this particular chapter both Uzzah, who is killed for touching the ark, and David becomes angry and afraid because God has done this as he's trying to celebrate this. In fact, he gets so afraid that he doesn't bring the ark into Jerusalem. And then we also get the family that does have the ark, who are blessed by God. What do we make out of these strange passages? The presence of God has an effect. That would be the first thing we would have to say. It really seems unfair that Uzzah in meaning well, has committed an irreverent act, that he has touched the ark when he isn't supposed to, and he is struck dead. I mean, it really does seem unfair. I understand completely where David is. So what do we do with those verses? Certainly they tell us of the power of God, but they don't tell us much about the grace of God. We don't see it in these verses. We see it elsewhere, obviously, in the Bible, but we don't in these particular verses. I think David's reaction is an appropriate reaction. When we talk about God from a New Testament point of view, it is tempting to talk about our pal God. It is tempting to talk about Jesus, our friend, and to forget that this is the God of creation. This is an awesome and powerful God. This is the God who just defeated the Philistines and put them into David's hands. And we learn in stories like this that he is still an awesome and powerful God, even if they're stories that are difficult. And then we get the story of Michael, daughter of Saul who breaks her relationship, it seems, with David over David becoming undignified. And David becomes undignified because he is celebrating 
what God has done. He is celebrating the victories. He is celebrating bringing this ark into Jerusalem. And so he dances with abandon. I don't know how many problems you get in your church fighting over the form of celebration, the form of worship. But that's basically what happens here between David and Michael is Michael says to David, we don't worship God that way. This is not an appropriate way for you, the king, to worship God. It's undignified. Well, it may be undignified, but one, David isn't going to change, and two, David isn't going to apologize. And God seems to side with David on this because Michael, we're told, never has children. God is honored by our worship, and we probably should be on David's side and not to get too hung up on the form of worship. And sometimes worship might even be undignified. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.